Um, first off, again, I need to thank my band. We got Corey on guitar. We got Dylan on the drums. We got Jaysh on the Did I just call you Jaysh? His name is Jaysh on the bass. This is Joy on the keys. Your name is Jaysh now, Josh, okay? program everybody you just stepped inside of psychotic bump school the place where education and entertainment meet at the intersection of funk and soul my name is dj rome and i want to welcome you to another exciting edition of psychotic bump school so ladies and gentlemen tonight oh we have an amazing 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 show y'all we have a very special guest coming through the school tonight musical director josh hari that's right. Josh Hari is a bass player and the music director for R&B singer Amber Mark. That's right. We had a very, very extensive conversation with Josh Hari. He's played with some of the most amazing talents in music all across the planet, uh, ranging from, oh my God, I'm not even going to go into it, but he's played with a little something of everybody. Definitely some names you have all heard of. Josh Hari is going to be stopping by to talk with Psychotic Bump School. I cannot wait. So you might want to call your friends and family to the radio or the computer because we are about to set it off. And this is going to be a real good one, y'all. So this is KCWGTheTruth.com. My name is DJ Rome. Welcome to Psychotic Bump School. Stay tuned for more. We're going to kick off our show with Josh Hari after this. Hey, this is Josh Hari, and you're listening to Psychotic Bump School with your host, DJ Rome on kcwgthetruth.com.
Okay, we are back. KCWGTheTruth.com. The name of this program is Psychotic Bump School. My name is DJ Bone. And ladies and gentlemen, I am deeply, deeply thrilled and enthusiastic about our next guest. This, <laughs> this cat is uh, somebody that I have, uh, he doesn't know it, but I've been trying to reach out to him for a little while. So he's in California uh, as, as far as foundation, but he's uh, in another state right now, we're going to talk about that in just a second, but the good brother is super, super talented. He's a multi-instrumentalist. He's a producer. He's a music director. Oh my God. He's played with some of the most amazing people that y'all have heard of, including Terry Lynn Carrington. Y'all got to know about Terry Lynn Carrington on them drums on the Arsenio Hall show. Come on now. Uh -huh. Terrence Blanchard, uh, Jose James, Kaja Bonet. Oh my God. I don't even want to say all the names. Um, Michael Chuanuka too? Oh, snap. Okay, we got to get this cat on the microphone because I'm not even naming some of the bigger names that you guys have heard of, but this cat has played with them all. And I'm excited that he's here to talk about his career and his time on that base and uh, just his travels around the world through this wonderful industry. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome for the very first time to Psychotic Bump School, the good brother, Mr. Josh Hari. Mr. Hari, how you doing, good brother? I'm all right. I'm uh. <laughs> yeah, waking, waking up late here in Las Vegas. Put it that way. Las Vegas. So, what pray tell are you doing in Las Vegas? I am. Sorry, I'm grabbing my coffee real quick. <laughs> I, I I am. Uh, I was here playing a, a festival called Life Is Beautiful with um the artist I play for and MD for uh, called Amber Mark. He's yeah. a wonderful R and B singer songwriter. Mm. Um, uh, and yeah. That's what I'm doing here. And now I'm going to sit by the pool after this interview. <laughs> oh, man, that's what's up. I can only imagine. Yeah. So it's called Life is Beautiful Festival. And that was a weekend uh, event, annual? Or is this the first time they've done it as far as you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I think it's been here for like 10 years. It's it's all sorts of stuff. Like they have big EDM things, big rock acts, like the Killers played the other day, uh, Odessa. So it's actually the programming is kind of uh, all over the place. But anyway. Absolutely. <laughs> that's fabulous. And so you play with Amber Mark. Uh, that's the mm -hmm. singer. And I'm going to tell you how I came in contact with her music in just a sec. But you are the bassist and the musical director. Is that true? Yeah. And actually, sometimes I, I do some some just like uh, light managing for her just because I've known her for so long. She kind of trusts me with certain things. I wanted to talk to you because I had some aspirations of my own to get into the industry as a musician when I was playing guitar many years ago. And for anybody mm. that's actually been able to pursue it and make something of it in terms of a career, you've been really, really in the cut playing with some amazing people. And we've actually know some of the, some are, excuse me, a couple of the same people, uh, yeah. given your travels are in California too, man. Um, have you always been this passionate about music in general, playing bass in particular? Uh, how would you, what, what do you recall about the first moments when you first touched thumb, thumping thumb uh, to those bass frets, man? What do you recall about that? Yes. So, I, yeah, I guess I had a kind of roundabout way to get into play bass. Um, I uh, also, wait, for the record, I live in New York now. I've, I've been in New York for the past, yeah. like, 11 years, 12 years. But I am very a very proud Oakland Californian. There you go. Um, and that, that doesn't wear off. Um, but uh, to the question... Um, I, I've started playing cello when I was like seven when I moved to the States 
from Mexico. Uh-huh. Uh, and and I'm I'm a tall dude. I'm a big kid, and I was very young, so I, I was the first kid tall enough to play upright bass. So when I was like ten, they gave me the upright bass because somebody got to play it in the orchestra. <laughs> and yeah. right around, yeah, it, that, I mean, honestly, it's professionally, it's uh, it's probably the best thing that's happened to me. For I'll, I'll go into that later, but. Yeah, I think there's the you know everybody needs a bass player, sure do um, more more than a violinist or a singer you know, absolutely uh, we're, we're more in demand, um yeah. but but uh around then, I kind of was playing guitar because all my uncles played a little guitar, and then um I actually started playing steel drums right around then like ten years there was um this cat named uh, Jeff Norell who used to who used to work at Berkeley Public Schools uh, and every lunchtime I would play steel pans like a Trini, Trinidadian uh, steel pans mm-hmm. and then um, and that kind of got me it kind of opened me up to to some other sounds and rhythms and just like the the idea of learning music by ear instead of reading it um, like memorizing it by ear yep because because there was no music reading and then I would started playing drums and with the pants pans and then eventually someone had me an electric bass in that band um and that's kind of how i started playing electric bass but uh yeah so that's probably like 10 11 12 everyday lunchtime i'd be i'd be uh playing pans playing we would do like a bunch of motown covers we do some some uh some tropical music hmm. um, so i think that, that was real formative and i and actually big up to, to jeff norell uh, a very influential person in my life Shout out um, to Norell. That's what's up. Yeah, yeah. Him and his brother—they uh, were like kind of like the the biggest names in pan playing in the in America because they're not they're not Trinidadian. Um, uh-huh. But uh, so yeah, so I was very lucky to to have have someone like him who was like an actual cat, like a musician, not just like a a music teacher who ended up at a middle school. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. And mm-hmm. were you in New York or California at the time or somewhere else? This is this is Oakland. Oakland. Um actually I guess Berkeley, California. But uh this is I lived in Oakland from seven to twenty two. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I, I mean I'm I'm like like I said, very, very much consider myself someone from Oakland, even though I've you know, I've spent a lot of time on the road and live in New York the past ten years. Yeah, well, you can take the man mm-hmm. out of Oakland, but you can't take Oakland out the man. That's right. <laughs> That's what they say. Uh, and you're uh-huh. standing on the shoulders of some greats out there. I mean, including the Pointer Sisters. We paid tribute to uh, mm. Pointer not too long ago. Need a Pointer. We got to get it in. Yes, May she rest in All heaven. Right. And, uh, of course, Pac, we just did a thing with uh, Naru Quina when he did his uh, Tupac Shakur Day. Uh, oh, wow. Weeks ago. Oh, yeah. And uh, But uh, getting closer to home, uh, one of your protégés, Anissa Strings, was here a few years ago, and I actually sent you a copy of the conversation I had with her because she was talking about a basis. You'll know the name because I, I, it doesn't, it slips in my mind right now. But when you said mm. cello, you said cello, right? You started playing, mm-hmm. cello and then you got to the bass. So there was somebody that influenced her as well. Probably you. I know it was you now, but there was a famous jazz musician, Pritchford Pickford. He played cello uh, and uh, uh, Oscar Pettiford. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So what was it about? Can you talk about that, that, that leap from cello to bass and how did it inform your music sensibilities and how does it make you stand out now as a, you know, a diversified I'll, I'll, player? I'll say at that age, like you, it doesn't like, I, I would never consider myself a cello player. Like when you're seven, eight, nine, 
and mm. you're still just getting, getting mechanics down. You're not really expressing yourself quite yet on an instrument. So yeah. I don't, I don't, I, I can't. I think I find my my voice as a musician more on guitar and bass and upright bass. So mm. I don't, I don't think of it as a transition. I was like, that was more mm. like, um, uh, that was just like the the only bass that I could hold when I was that size. You know what I mean? So, oh, fu functional. Um, but but um, but I love Oscar Pettiford. That's I I feel like, but Nisa Nisa Strings, uh, who you mentioned, we met at a program. I had just become I had just come out of it as kind of for uh, for low income kids. Um, it used to be called Young Musicians Program. Now it's called something else. Why? Um, in Berkeley, which I is an incredible incredible program that uh, like just dozens of of, of famous and incredible musicians that have come out of the last 20, 30 years. Mm -hmm. um, that, uh, but I met her, I became a teacher there after I graduated and she, she started that year. So she was probably like 14, 15, mm -hmm. uh, maybe, maybe 13. And I was like 18. I had just come out of there and we mm -hmm. got real tight because she was the only bass player who could really play at that age. She mm -hmm. had like a real, like, you know, at that age, you're not really, you don't really know, how to play jazz because she just had a nice feel and and uh she was a great vibe she felt real familiar like very Oakland um mm. and, and uh yeah and I gave her I think were some of the her first uh like jazz bass lessons um and then wow. you know we stayed in touch we've ended up on some of the same gigs and I'm I'm so proud of her she's she's such a beast um she's gonna have a, a wonderful career a great singer too she's a beautiful man tone. beautiful tone yeah beautiful tone um, so yeah, I don't credit myself with any anything besides uh, being her friend. She that's I, she's she did the work on her own. I, I, yeah. I hate when folks try to take credit for it, but uh, I'm yeah. um, inspired to this day by Anissa. I'm very very happy for. Her. Honest, I mean, but you you saw something in her. So when you talk, because she when she mentioned Pettiford, mm -hmm. uh, I understand now that they're both fretless, and you use a bow with a cello anyway, right? You don't necessarily have to play bass with a bow, right? But yeah, exactly. But I, I mean, but Anisa Anisa does play. I mean, and so do I, just because we both studied some classical upright. So you uh -huh. know, you, you can you can play that uh, upright bass in a in an orchestra with a bow too. I do some of that. You do that, um, too. but yeah, yeah, yeah. But a cello, do, yeah. Bro? What don't you do, <laughs> dude? I'm I'm. Uh, you know, you got to be multifaceted if you want to work in this industry. Man, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll fail at anything once and then see if I like it. You know what I mean? Oh man, that's a beautiful approach. So, does that mean that you've always been super, super confident about every opportunity you said yes to? If you, if they were asking you to play bass, whether it be electrical or upright, and if it was a little outside of your box, how do you approach something like that when you're not sure about the outcome? That's interesting. Um, I, I don't know if it's confidence. I think it's just part of me is just uh, like if I'm, I might have to admit that part of it is just me wanting a to get a job. Like some part of me is like I'm trying to work all the time, and I will say yes to everything. And now it's more like I know I'm, I'm uh, as a musician. I think one of my strengths is like being supportive and not having is why I, I'm a bass player because like my job is to support the 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 bigger picture and just hold it down and I'm I'm okay with under being kind of understated so I think regardless mm. of regardless of genre and I've been lucky enough to kind of have listen to enough kinds of music 
actively that I can, you know, I kind of understand the role of bass, even in music that I don't quite understand. So, and I'm, and I, I like taking direction. I love learning. I love, yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm happy to, I, I, I think I'm most comfortable when I'm doing something that I'm not quite where I feel a little, where I'm learning just that if you're, if you're uncomfortable means you're learning something, um, right. you know, so I, yeah. And I feel that way about, about a bunch. Yeah. Even that's why I love traveling. You know, I love being somewhere. I don't speak the language and just point, you know, that's, that's, I don't know why. I don't well, know why that's very, very much a part of my ethos. Well, I mean, your ethos includes multi-instrumentation and it does it also include multi-language, I mean, languages? Yeah, I grew, I grew up speaking um, uh, Spanish and I still, you know, I still speak to my family just in Spanish okay. and uh, I spent a lot of time in France, so I uh, speak some French. Look at that. And, and, and my mom and my auntie are sign language interpreters, so I, I grew up doing some of that too. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, um, but yeah. Well, see that explains a lot. I don't know how long were you in France. Um, I've I've kind of in and out of there uh, a month at a time, like for the past few years. Hmm. Um, but also, just they have the most jazz festivals in the world, so I'm just I've worked there so much. Um, exactly. Yeah, that's what I was thinking because even um, I've had some cats on this show who have been to France, and you know some of their songs that they released on their subsequent albums after returning back to the States were based upon their time in France. I mean, it's, it's, it's an inspirational time. Of course, you're into Jazz Cats too, because I've read from cover to cover years ago when it came out, the, the autobiography of Miles Davis. Oh yeah, I've read that several times. I mean, it, it's essential reading, right? For anybody yep. that even would even think to say that they love music, you gotta read that one. You got to. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah that's and he's just like even if you don't care about music which i mean obviously read it because because he's a he's a genius but just mm -hmm. as a as a writer he's a, he's a intriguing cat like it's a captivating yeah. storyteller yeah. man he really i mean right from the opening pages i, I, I he said music made me feel so good because he, he threw me off when he would say in the book that he would go down he miles was a trip i mean he said he they walked down the street to get pig snout and they would just eat it, and he loved it. And yeah. uh, I'm like, who is this cat, man? <laughs> what about reading? He's but, country, country, man. That's, yes. But <laughs> yes. see, the thing about Miles is that he's, you know, and believe it or not, I'm spinning this back to you. He was a visionary, too. He was able to see himself playing with other people. He could see things before they sort of unfolded. And, of course, one of his protégés eventually was uh, somebody you played with named uh, Herbie Hancock. And so... Absolutely. I, I guess the one that they're most famous for together wasn't that bitches brew. Was I don't think I don't think Herbie was on. Herbie might not be on that. Okay. I'm not. I'm trying to remember too. Actually, if well, I mean, th their work together mostly was in the '60s when they had like a. It was like kind of at the breaking point of of uh, swing turning into like right before his '70s more electric period. Yeah, uh, so that, that that band was like Miles, uh, Herbie, Ron Carter, Tony Williams, Wayne. Hey, Shane. wow, Ron Carter, um, name somebody right there, brother. Dude, yeah, I mean Ron is the goat. He was the goat, just, just like oh. jazz bass that is the the cat. Um, yeah, but yeah, but yeah. Uh, That's before I go I, off on a Ron Carter tangent, because I can do that. Uh, anytime, man. Just just go. <laughs> 
Yeah, I actually had to pull up the the bitches brew because I remember watching the video like this year. I, it was a live performance because I was tripping. I was like, dang, on the bass. I mean, it wasn't the session cats, but performing with them uh, was definitely. You remember Michael Henderson? Yeah, yeah of course. Away, bass player. I mean, yeah. rest in peace. I mean, beautiful voice, major talent. He yeah. Uh, but the one that surprised me that played with them during that gig was uh oh my god he was a was he was it Solar Records or Re Reggie Reggie Griffin isn't that his name Reggie oh my god okay. say it again we're um uh, during the bitches brew period uh so I thought I, I have to look it up man I'm going I'm about to be up here lying but it was the band that had uh, Michael Henderson. Possibly uh, Wayne Shorter may have been in that group, but oh, who's who was it? Reggie Lucas. I uh, remember oh. Mtume Lucas. That combination when they oh Mtume, yeah Mtume, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Absolutely. what that's what it was because Mtume had passed away, and I was looking up yes. some stuff on him. And I'm James Mtume. There you go. There you yeah, go. He's he's a yeah absolute funk legend, jazz legend. Um, I'll. I was lucky enough to to be friends with his son, actually. Oh man, um, what about that? He, I mean, it's just Jersey. Um, I so I used to uh, I used to live and and work really closely with this singer songwriter who I think is a genius, Kiana Bell. That's one of my one of my close friends, also from Oakland. That we mm. went to college together, and then we moved to New York together. Kiana mm -hmm. Bell is a singer songwriter. Her father played in Cool and a Gang. Ah. Her uncle, her uncle is cool. Um, uh -huh. It was cool, rest in peace. Uh, but yeah. anyway, her manager for a while was uh, this cat named Fa Mtume, who was uh, Mtume's son, and he would tell me all these stories. Like, the just Jersey is a deep, deep musical hang. Mm. Um, he and he would tell me about Sly. Sly used to crash on her couch all the time. Uh -huh. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, respect to, to that whole family. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. But it was just a trip because I had seen the name uh, Mtume Lucas on so many of those uh, songs. And of course, Mtume became the Mtume that you and I came to know, you know, mm -hmm. once it became successful. But Lucas was a little bit more in the cut behind the scenes. And mm -hmm. I would see his name on a lot of those songwriting credits for Donnie and Roberta. And I never saw him play, though. It's like, that dude is bad. He played yeah. with my house. He so, can actually play. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So, so I probably got it wrong. That probably, you're right. That probably was not the Herbie Hancock era, but you did have a chance to play on some Herbie Hancock uh, projects, right? I did. Well, I did. So, so for years coming out of college and during college, I was in, um, you mentioned Terry Lynn Carrington, uh, who I consider really to be one of my, probably my main mentor in oh, my life. Right um, so I played in her band for, I would say like seven years, eight years. Hmm. Uh, while while she was a professor at Berkeley College of Music, and I was there, ah, and she she worked closely with Herbie, um, for hmm. I mean pretty much her whole career, because uh, she started real young. Um, so I did a gig when Herbie was doing. He got a honorary doctorate, doctorate or some honor at Harvard. Uh, hmm. That I think they, the only other person they had given it to was Leonard Bernstein. Oh, wow. um, and he did he did a series of lectures there, and I was a member of his quartet when um when we did some playing for for when he was being awarded that. So you know, got to got to play with Herbie a little bit. Um, so again, I I don't I don't I've never toured with Herbie, 
that it was like just that experience of of getting called for the gig to be in his quartet for a little bit it was a was really oh. i you know i i I was just I don't know why how I ended up here, but I will do you know, I, I will do my best. I appreciate y'all. Hey man, um, but uh what did you learn? That's a, that's a good question. I I was so it's funny because I was waiting, I was like, what songs are we gonna play? Because Terry had asked me a couple months before that, like maybe even like four months before it happened. He's like, yo, can you do these gigs? Mm -hmm. And I was like, all right, well, what are we gonna play? And she was like, oh, we'll, we'll figure it out. I'll tell you, you know, in the, in the weeks or two before, well, after, when I talk to her, we'll figure it out. Mm. And it's the day, it's the day before I'm in Boston. I'm sitting at a hotel, like, cause I can't, like if, if I were to get a call like that for an art, another artist, I'd be like, okay, I'll just check out the records and I'll, I'll, I'll kind of learn all the big hits and then we'll figure it out, you know, and I'll be covered for the, for the most part. Right. But with Herbie, he's, he's made so much music. Like, where do you start? You know, you start? Like, mm -hmm. like, what? I can't like memorize every Herbie Hancock song. It's nuts. So, so literally, day before, I'm just like, all right, I guess I'm just, I mean, I already know kind of the hits because that's like the music you're supposed to know if you're a jazz musician. So I know, I know some of the bigger songs, but I'm like, he might mm -hmm. pull some cutty, like, who knows what we're about to play. Right. Um, and uh, yeah, and then literally, I think six in the morning, the day of the gig. I get mm -hmm. an email. It's like, all right, we're gonna play uh, one of Leonel's tunes. With Leonel Lueke was a guitar player on the gig. Um, was an mm. African uh, amazing guitar player playing Herbie's band for years from Benin, um, mm. and a vocalist as well. Anyway, so we're gonna play one of uh, one of his tunes, and then we're gonna play Toys, which is like like sixties era Herbie stuff. Wow. Uh, and and then we might just and then I remember there was one line. It was like, yeah, we might just improvise on this one lick from this from the Stravinsky uh symphony I was like what how am I supposed to prepare for that <laughs> um so but anyway uh, you know we get there and we, we rehearse and it's and it's it was incredible um I, I was like to hear Herbie comp, comping is kind of when you're playing behind somebody like when you're uh mm. to hear Herbie comping behind me taking a solo is like I get goosebumps thinking about it. You know, it's like okay. Wait, well, can you break that down? What what comping is when somebody's playing behind you, or you're playing behind yeah. that person? Uh, either way, like if if you say if it just kind of short for accompaniment, but it's like ah. when you say like uh, like if you're telling a piano player like behind my solo, play a certain way. You can be like, oh, when you're when you're comping behind my solo, like do this and that. Okay. You know? But just because I've listened to so much Herbie Hancock in my life, just hearing his touch and. It, hearing him react to what you're playing in real time and like, and also how sensitive he is and how like advanced and nuanced of an accompanist he is, is just like, I, I really get goosebumps thinking about it. So I'm, I'm very, very thankful for that. Um, man, I bet you are. Experience. So what, did you get goosebumps? Was there a moment during the session, during the actual session where he kind of got your attention, you had his attention? I don't know how it works with musicians in moments like that. Did you guys make eye contact uh -huh. and he just kind of gave you that, sign of approval that yeah that's it right there i mean the thing is we're you're making it's a living thing so it's not like you do a good job or bad job it's like you're in we're doing a job together <laughs> it's mm. alive like you're i'm making eye contact with him for for 90 minutes and we're playing music you know what i mean like mm. the whole time so it's it's more like it's yeah it's kind of a tough thing to describe cause, also because most people make music it's more like this is a song we're playing and these are the parts 
and with jazz or like with jazz at this level it's kind of especially because like some of it was like free like i was saying we were just improvising freely around the stravinsky theme sometimes you know underneath the strings holding it down on the bass and you're listening to psychotic bump school with your favorite host dj rome we on kcwg the truth.com best internet radio station on the planet no doubt all right all the way from Oaktown. <laughs> and if Terry Carrington picked you, I mean, I'm sure you weren't the only bass player there. So she selected, yeah. right? Uh, yeah, I think, I mean, it's funny because Terry, I, I didn't listen to any jazz from the 80s. Like, I don't, that was for some reason that, that didn't resonate with me. And that's that's very much when Terry was like at the top of the industry in that era. And like, that's very much your sound. But Terry's so... So she's one of the most, like, just, she's just interested in everything and, like, listens to all sorts of music. And we connected because we kind of filled in some of each other's gaps mm -hmm. um, musically. musically. And, she, and also just because I'm, she knows that I'm willing to adapt and, like, serve the music more than, you know, my style or my ego or my, my vision. As I'm, I love being a supportive role. And I love playing with singers. And so does she. And a lot of jazz musicians huh? don't. Ah, um, uh, so yeah, I think we just we just connected a lot, and she's very much a natural born leader, and mm -hmm. she I think she she instilled a lot of that in me, and she would always introduce me like that. She'd be like, "Yeah, Josh is a natural born leader, and he's funky, and he can swing," and uh, and yeah. I just she's yeah, um, shout out Terry Lynn, she's one of the baddest of all time, and yeah. I'm just privileged privileged to to call her a mentor and a friend. Wow. And with that endorsement, I'm sure that helped you get over any residue if you had it. You probably didn't have very much of it, but was there any part of you that felt like you were having some imposter syndrome? I mean, this is Herbie Hancock, oh. and I'm playing with this. Every guy. every day, every day. Every, this, if, I don't How think you get over that. Uh, um, I mean, I haven't yet. Um, haven't yet? Yeah, I think that's I think that's just part of being a creative person is that you're going you know, uh, um, yeah, I, I don't I feel at the highest level, mm. everybody still feels that way, you know, mm. um, that they're going to be found out any day now. Yeah, I, I try not to dwell on it too much because I was like, if I'm, if, even if I'm, a, even if I am an imposter, I'm going to have these experiences. So I'm going to run with this until it, <laughs> until it wears out. And, uh, you know, I keep getting the calls. So I must be fake, faking it pretty well, at least. <laughs> So, but, no, that, but to answer your question, that feeling does not go away, unfortunately. I believe you. I totally believe you because we had Eric Rico here uh, last week, a uh, great singer. And mm -hmm. um, he kind of asked me that same thing because I've done some things in Southern California that kind of resonated with people. And he asked me, do you ever realize the impact that you guys had? And I said, mm -hmm. yeah, I do. But I understand why people ask that because it looks like we don't, because basically I was telling them essentially what you're getting at. It's like we're, we were so humble and we weren't flashy with what we did. We just understood the assignment and we went about the business of taking care of the fulfillment of that assignment. We had the mission and we know what we needed to do. And so it was no frills, no fluff. It wasn't about us. And so in that regard, it, it did seem continuous and effortless you know, to us, mm -hmm. which is why it, it was able to continue for as long as it did. And it sounds like that's how it is 
in your world as well to where you don't really dwell on it, like you said, because that's for yeah. other people to trip on. That's for other people like me to trip on when I'm asking you, because I'm thinking yeah. this is Herbie and I've never been close to Herbie like that. And I'm just imagining an emerging musician, even with the stamp of approval from somebody as up there as Terry Lynn Carrington, if you didn't have some reservation, uh, I would have been, I would have believed you either way. If you say, oh no, I had it on lock. You know, I wasn't even worried about it at all, ever. I, I would have believed that too. But the fact that you gave such a, a humanistic response, man, I, it, it really resonates with me because it sounds believable completely. Yeah, it's funny. I, I, there's some mistakes I made on that gig, just like musical things or musical choices mm. that I wasn't super happy with because I was so nervous that I think about to this day. Like that was like wow. seven years ago. And I can I can hear like it's one of those like, you know, when you, you get in an, arm, in an argument and you like the next day you're thinking about like, man, well, then I should have said this perfect thing, you know, um, and it's I still I still feel like imposter syndrome doesn't go away. You still regret, you know, but maybe I'm just an anxiety filled uh, musician. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Well, one of those um, famous, uh, jazz cats we talked about talked about mistakes. Um, Stevie Wonder. Oh yeah. On uh, isn't I, she lovely? That solo, mm -hmm. that harmonical solo. He said that that's a mistake. He he actually there's a point where the it's the. Dun, 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 dun. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know that melody of sure, isn't sure. lovely. But there was a point in there where he kind of flubbed on the harmonica, and it's totally in the song right now. If you go, if you pull out songs in the key of life, you'll hear it. Yeah. But only when he was doing sort of a talk over describing the making of that song and that album did he say, "Hey, that's a mistake right there." I mean, right. so what's a mistake? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, absolutely. He left it in there. Yeah, no, and, and the thing is, I'm sure even in the moment that it happened, Herbie wasn't thinking about, "Oh, that's that's mm. not a hit thing or a mistake." He was just trying to make it. And that's the thing about someone at that level. They're not, it's funny because uh, Terry Lynn would always say this, like if, if with cats at that level that play together that much, like, so there's a, there's a thing called flipping the beat, which is like a faux pas. Like if you're, it means like someone's doing something really complicated and you kind of get lost and you start hearing the beat on the other side of the beat. Hmm. And she, and she would tell me, man, like when I'm playing a Herbie, he might flip the beat and it doesn't matter because like he doesn't, he wouldn't dwell on it. It's just like, we're just getting past it. We're making this, you know, we're going to make it happen. And mm -hmm. so I think that's a, that, that, you know, that's, um, that's also an ego thing to like, to like dwell and, and, uh, you know, um, yeah, it just, it's just yeah, to dwell on the mistakes instead of just like, you know, no, we're in the now. So we're past that. That mistake is gone. Now we're, yeah. Um, and that, yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's a level of history that's like, especially with a music that's in real time. Like we're not talking about the songwriting, although Herbie's a great songwriter too, but like, it's, mm. you know, it's, it's an, in, it's a real, I don't know. It's, I don't know. Just improvisational music. Well, uh, exactly. I mean, remember the uh, difference between, um, cause you mentioned Sly earlier, but remember the difference between, um, uh, playing with James Brown and mm. versus uh, George Clinton and Parliament Funkadelic because <laughs> the reason why Boots sure. loved playing, he loved he he learned from his father, quote unquote, James Brown, of course. Yeah. But James yeah. was more precise, and he would find he would find you like financially yeah. as you yeah. if you, actually yeah <laughs> if you weren't on the <laughs> one. But George said, like, come over to this mothership, and I love it. 
it's like leave it, it's all good you can play what you want and it is what it is you know mm -hmm. so to play with that kind of freedom and abandon um i can only imagine but this is kcwg the truth.com's program's called psychotic bump school my name is dj rome we just chopping it up with the good brother mr josh hari he's a bass player a musician a music director uh in las vegas over the weekend but he currently resides in new york by way of oakland by way of jalisco i mean the cat by way of france <laughs> this cat has been everywhere but man, just and okay, and we we gonna talk about Amber Mark and this gig you just played and the rest of your career and all that. But I got one more person. There's a lot of there's a lot here. There's a lot of nectar in your bio, bro. But yeah, recently, had, go ahead, go ahead. Oh no, just saying. Yeah, I'm, I'm sometimes I read my bio. I was like, man, I've done some. I'm, I'm very lucky. <laughs> I don't. Right. I, I don't. I don't credit myself. I've just been very lucky. Well, see that that's why I'm talking to you because I I don't. I don't know, man. I mean, I don't know if you picked up on it, but I'm not a flashy guy. You know what I'm saying? I'm doing this on audio. I have a perfect voice for radio or face for radio. <laughs> mm -hmm. right, right. Radio. I like being in the cut, too. So I, I kind of resonate with cats who kind of vibe the same way. It ain't about me. It ain't about. See, your part. And Anissa said this, too, when I had her here. She's like she wanted mm -hmm. to be in control, but she wanted to be in a band, too. And so. Yep. But her thing was that she wanted to lead a band like Mingus. And so that's that's mm -hmm. what you know drove her ambition in that way. But uh before we get to Amber Mark and um like Bonet, there was recently, uh, maybe maybe about a year ago, uh the singer that you played with was in California. And I don't know if you were in Oakland at the time, but a friend of mine who lives in uh Concord or near Concord, California, went to go see her. And he was shocked when I sent him the original version of one of my all-time favorite song by her. The song is called Sky Islands. And the uh -huh. singer's name, of course, is Diane Reeves. And I see that uh -huh. she's on your resume, right? Yeah, and, Diane. Uh, oh. Man, and he was surprised that uh, she was in a band called Caldera. Uh -huh. and Caldera, that, the original song is actually an instrumental and lyrics were added later. But the Caldera of Sky Island, oh my God, when I sent it to him, he freaked out. But uh, what can you tell us about the Diane Reeves experience? You remember how that came? Oh, wow. you? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I met her through playing with Terry. Um, we did a tour together, a couple tours together where, where uh, Diane was like a featured vocalist in Terry's band. Um, and then we became real close, uh, me and Diane. Uh, she was, she's always mm. been, really felt like, you know, like auntie vibes immediately. She really very nurturing, very warm. Nice. Um, and uh, and I did a few gigs uh, with her, with her band, with her own band, um, mm. just as a member of her, uh, you know, quartet, quintet, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. um, and we just, she, we were always cool, man. She would have, you know, yeah, she's, st she's still, if I, if I put something online, she'll like comment something nice. Like I haven't, I haven't seen Diana in a few years, but she's just, she's a hip lady, man. She's been around, like she's made all sorts of music. People kind of think of her as like a, heritage like jazz singer but she's she had some funky funky records she's still making records she won a grammy a couple years ago mm. like diane is diane is really one of the goats and you know yeah both of the writer and and the singer um but yeah I, I, I love diane wow and you guys are still tight to this day huh yeah i mean you know i can't say i talk to her on a daily but if i'm in denver i can i can hit her up be like pull up to the show that's what's up that's what's yeah. up. And so but yeah, I encourage I encourage people to listen to old Diane Reeves records because there's a lot in there. And oh man, 
Ooh, man. Um, I saw her perform live once. Uh, do you remember the, uh, it was on for maybe two or three years on HBO, the uh, Robert Townsend comedy, because uh, they used to shoot it over in Westwood, near Westwood, mm -hmm. California. And I would go, uh, my friend Al Jackson used to get tickets. He had tickets through, uh, he was working for um, the House of Blues and he was, you know, he had connections. So we would go see the live recording of the Robert Townsend comedy show on HBO. And that's where we mm -hmm. learned about uh, bang, bang, bang. What's that comedian's name? He passed away a couple of years ago. Uh, him, uh, Tommy Davison, all them cats were just up and coming, struggling. And these were this the day soon after Townsend did Hollywood Shuffle. So all these new mm -hmm. comedians were really starting to get their shine because of Robert Townsend. And yeah. In one of those episodes, Diane Reeves was the musical performer, and she performed, of course. I wish she had performed Sky Islands, because that's my favorite, but she performed better, uh, which, of course, brought the house down. I mean, yeah, bro. I, 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 I hadn't heard that song, and I had to play it on a gig with Diane. And I was Whoa. like, this is, like, I imagine, imagine, like, learning that song, you know, like, I'm, I'm reading music, and I'm hearing that song in real time for the first time, like, with her singing it at me. Wow. Uh, and, yeah. Yeah, I remember that very well, actually, that song in particular. Well, how much time did you have to get ready to play that? I can't remember. You know, that's 10 years ago now. But, um, yeah, I can't remember for that one. Because, you know, sometimes sometimes you don't have time for rehearsal. You just pull up to the gig and we run it in soundcheck, you know. Wow. But, uh, as a musical director, do you, do you have to learn? Do you, I mean, of course, your musical background and pedigree helps, but they don't usually make you a music director unless you know how to read and compose music, right? Generally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, or, uh, I mean, there's, there's cats who, who can't read music, but they, 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 you know, they can make lead like, uh, like, uh, I don't know, just like, like Jimi Hendrix can't read music, but he, he could run a band, you know what I mean? But yeah, but I, you know, I went, I went to college, I did the whole thing so I can, I can read and read mm. and write mu music, uh, at a, at a level that gets me by anyway <laughs> absolutely um but um but yeah but what was the question you were going to say about well about, uh, yeah. um, just just i just think it's amazing that you she sung it to you and that's when you had to go out and perform it and just because of your 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 high i'm just gonna <laughs> you're humble but i'm gonna say because of your eloquent music iq you was able to pick up better days really quickly and go out there and play that song just from her Whoa. Do you right? Oh no no well, no no no! Uh, maybe I mischaracterized it, but I mean more okay. like you know we ran it, and I, that was my first time hearing it, and I'm kind of like reading music and hearing her sing it to me. Oh yeah, like to to, to like learn what the song sounds like, or what it you know more than more than just the notes on a page. But the okay. first time I ever heard that song, I think was rehearsing it with her. Oh, man, yeah. I mean, how many people are gonna have that experience though, man? Better days, come on, man, that's a classic. <laughs> yeah yeah that's a banger i don't think um, i think i'm maybe the youngest person that knows that song because <laughs> that's uh that's hey. kind of a bit up but that's a bad song it bad is meaning good bad. bad meaning good to be clear uh, for sure for sure bad meaning good. <laughs> okay well there's so many names here so i know i don't have all day with you so i'm, I'm just gonna throw these names out and whatever comes to mind because some of these people i've met um most mm -hmm. of them i have not but um, you've played with some amazing people, man. Um, mm. I'm seeing uh, Killer Priest, Cool Keith, Wapale. Oh, my God. Met her mm. a few times. Uh, but I'm going to throw some names at you, man. You can even include those if you want. Uh, how about Amel LaRue? What was your experience like with her? 
Amel, we just did a couple gigs. Who the who could call me for that gig? The drummer who was on that on that gig for years, this guy Sheldon Thwaites, um, called me to play bass for for a couple gigs with her. I mean, you know, it's I, I don't have too much of a story with Amel except she is just a monster vocalist, um, <laughs> and and, uh, and also her daughter mm. uh, was on was on the gig too, and um, and she's. Uh, talent like a really massive talent i hope she keyboards. Uh, a keyboard player and vocalist and you know when when like sisters or, or like siblings or parents and children sing together and they have a blend just because of you know their speaking voice is similar because that's who you learn from and, or and like their blend is just beautiful and yeah mel's monster singer um yeah i, I don't have too much to say about that one that's kind of you know sometimes you get called for gigs and you don't talk to the artist that much, and uh, right. Well, that that's kind of a family band. I think her partner at the time, or maybe still is, was like the sound guy and her manager, yeah, and the whole thing. So it was like very much like I was a hired gun. I came in, I was happy to play the music. Absolutely, absolutely. She's a yeah. favorite because uh, my brother Jeffrey Connor used to be her bass player too, and so mm. now I know two bass players that play with Amel. So that's very dope. That's a flex yeah. for me. Uh, sure. Let's move on, man. Uh, Jose James. Jose, um, I toured with for a few years. Uh, actually, just we just did a gig together in Paris the other day. Wow! Um, and and I'm going out with him in Europe uh, the first couple weeks of November. Actually, mm. which should be fun. Jose's he's a we're I think we're friends more than anything. Like Jose's real, he's he's like a. I think we both like comedy in a certain way, so we're always kind of doing bits. And I mm. really, I appreciate that with Jose. Um, mm. he's real, there's not that many male singers. And I, I sing a bunch too, and I love singing jazz. There's not that many male jazz singers. So I I, um, I appreciate that that he's kind of like very himself. Um, even mm. though he does a lot of like cover albums and stuff, like that's not a normal, you don't hear that voice and be like, oh, he's a, he's a singer mm. kind of. Cause he has a very unique voice and, and uh, someone who's like comfortable thinking into themselves like that um i appreciate so i like jose man as, as a cool dude and i'm looking forward to, to going out with him actually the gig we did a couple weeks ago was um he called me last minute because I, ha I haven't played with jose for a few years because i've been doing other things and um he called me he was like yo my bass player just had some issues um getting on a plane can you be at the airport in like 45 minutes mm -hmm. and i was like i guess i'm like I'm not even home right now. I gotta stop and grab my bass and pack my bag and everything. And then we flew out, and it was a, it was a double bill with Michelle and Diggy Cello. Um, oh, so uh, yeah, yeah, but yeah. Anyway, shout out Jose. I'm excited to go out on tour with him in a couple of weeks uh, with a couple of friends, a couple of friends of mine in the band. So nice, nice. Uh, respect, do Five Dog, a Tribe Called Quest. Oof, Five. Um, so Fife was, I was a little bit younger, um, cause he was still around too, you know, Fife passed 10 years ago at this point, something like that. Yeah. Um, uh, Fife, so I met Fife working, I used to make a lot of beats with this cat, Bobby Ozuna, who did all the, um, like any drum production you hear on a Rafael Sadiq record, um, Bobby did, uh, like before up, up through, you know, that Motown record he, he did in like 08. Up like all the all the classic Raphael Sadiq stuff. Bobby Bobby did the drum program programming on there, like the MPC, all the 
like the beat. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I hooked up with Bobby when he moved back to LA. I mean, when he moved back to the Bay. Um, and uh, and I kind of got to like Rafael is my kind of my career idol. Like he's a bass player, singer, producer, guitar mm-hmm. player from Oakland, and that's who I am. That's always who I looked up to. He made some of my favorite records ever. Yep. Um, so to make to be and Bobby moved back to Oakland. We met and he was like, yo, I kind of need someone to make beats with. I'm used to having Raphael to play guitar and bass. So so I, I got to kind of cosplay as Raphael, just you know, in the studio. So I would do whatever Bobby I'd be I'd be if Bobby called me three in the morning, I'd be like, Yes, uh, I'm coming, I'm making beats because I'm living that to me, I was like fantasy camp, you know. Wow. So that's where I met um I ended up on some cool records with him. And mm. Fife, uh, Fife moved back to the Bay because he was having some health problems and his wife was from uh, Fremont or something. Mm. And um, and Fife kind of was back in the studio trying to make some music. He was friends with Bobby. So there was like a maybe six-month period when I just started Berkeley School of Music in Boston where I'd come home all the time because I just wanted – because they would call me to, to just make beats. Like uh, I just sit there with Bobby and and chop shit up, chop samples up uh, with five, just like freestyling over them. Wow. It's just a crazy, crazy experience. And like you know, now I think because it's just, you know I was so young, I could have been like, yo, I need I need credit on all these records, whoopty woo, like. Hmm. But um, I was too young to do that, and like that's I think that there's some growing pains like that where you know, at that age you kind of will will get um. I don't want to say taking advantage of it. It's part of paying your dues. And I was so happy to just be around legends like that. Um, so I'm, you know, uh, yeah, I'm very, very uh, grateful that I've had experiences like that with, with, with like some of the architects of this music. You know? Man, man, peaceful journey for Mr. Five Dog. Uh, sure. Thank you for breaking that down. I wasn't aware of the Fremont connection with his wife. Uh, I, I want to say Fremont. It might have been some other, you know, a surrounding town. But California. Of, I mean, I, I wasn't yeah. expecting you to say California because he's he's known as an East Coast cat. Uh, absolutely, five foot assassin. Five foot assassin all day. Wow. <laughs> oh man, I'm gonna run out of time. But oh man, Terrence Blanchard is a legend. Uh, Georgia Ann Muldrow is the homie. Uh, can you tell us anything quickly about her? Georgia. Um, we can go a little late if you want to. I'm. I'm, I'm... Oh, cool. Uh, if you need, but uh, Georgia, I have been a, a devotee of of her music. I think mm-hmm. she's one of the most slept on of uh, uh, artists of our generation. Like ever since I was like sixteen, I used to have a trio, a jazz trio, when I was like whatever uh, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, uh, and we would and we would cover Georgia songs like off Olesi. Uh, when we were kids, like I've I've been listening to that music for years and years and years, and then actually we did um my my sister Savannah Harris, who's also from Oakland, an incredible drummer. Um, she she called me to do a gig with Georgia in Oakland at this festival. Um, and to me, I was like, Georgia never plays with a band. This is like, like I was I've never been so so nervous to to play with an artist because I was like I'm have totally musically in love with this person you know mm. Georgia the one of my favorite I always credit her as one of my favorite bass players because her left hand when she plays keys and on her all her production oh snap one of my favorite wow um, is she's incredible and um and then uh, a couple years later Justin Brown who's a drummer from Oakland as well um 
got called to be the musical director for Georgia. And he called me to play bass because he knew I was, you know, I would respect the music. So we did, uh, we did a few, we quite a few gigs for a couple years, um, backing up, backing up Georgia. And that's honestly, that's my favorite, maybe my favorite band I've ever been in. Um, cause I just, I love, I love her music so much. Um, so yeah, shout out to Georgia. I'm, I think she's doing well in her life, uh, too. Um, Mm. Uh, which I, I'm very happy to see because she's she's I hope she continues to make music for a long, very long time. Man, I'm going to reach out to her and uh, I'm not saying we're close friends because we're not. Mm. But when I get onto her live, she definitely shouts me out. I'm, I'm going to yeah. tell her about this interview, man, because I've seen her put up some videos. By the way, this is KCWG, the truth.com's program is called Psychotic Bump School. I'm DJ Rome. We're talking to the good brother, Mr. Josh Hari, bass player extraordinaire multiple instrumentalist uh, from coast to coast now in Nevada as we speak. Uh, we're breaking down to its final compound, his musical offering to this universe, y'all. We've been talking about all his musical collaborations and uh, I got a couple more to go. I, I gotta, get his, gotta get his take on a couple of these. But we're talking right now about Georgia Ann Muldrow, who I agree with, good brother. Uh, super talented. Uh, she put up a video a few years ago where she was just making beats in the studio. She's probably done hundreds of them, but I happened to catch one where Dudley Perkins, her husband, Declaim, was just vibing to what she was doing. But since you mentioned her bass skills, man, I wasn't ex that was not on my bingo card either for you to say that because literally what? she was putting down a funky, funky bass line on that bass keyboard, bro. <laughs> oh yeah. my god, she's she's the baddest. She's really um. Yeah, I, I I can't I can't say enough wow. enough about her musicality and her very unique um, musical voice all around. She's a special one. I mean, she is a special one. See, I'll do. I mean, I love Badu. I love D'Angelo, but I thought they, being Angelo, D'Angelo, and uh, Lauren, uh, we love them. But I thought they would have a career like Georgia's. Georgia puts out material constantly. I mean, yeah. and it's yeah, exactly consistently good it's consistently her and it's all her i mean she's she's of extremely unique talent extremely unique. i think georgia has more than 300 songs out i can't think of another Crazy. artist her, her age that's as prolific and she's doing everything she's doing all the production everything, all, you know? so, everything. Um, she's one of I the think... ones that brought back the term woke and that's why it's all in our politics right now because yeah. all she did with erica badu yeah i'm sorry go ahead Oh, and I was going to say, I think in, in 10, 20 years, um, we'll look back and, and realize the depth of, of, her, of her catalog and, and, uh, and spirit. And uh, yeah, she's she's a really big in, in inspiration for me. Oh, man. I am so glad to hear that. Uh, well, since we got time, Terrence Blanchard is a legendary trumpeter, jazz musician who's done a lot of soundtracks and scores for movies by Spike Lee. I just saw the name and just started thinking about him uh, like Miles just holding that trumpet, walking down when they were doing uh, when the levee broke documentary from years ago during Hurricane Katrina, and Spike did a docu uh, did a film uh, mm -hmm. to raise money for Hurricane Katrina, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Terrence Blanchard was from New Orleans, if I'm not mistaken. But yep. was, very much so. Okay, so what was your experience with Terrence Blanchard? Terrence, um, I, I I maybe did three gigs with him uh, subbing. For David Ginyard, um, who's his, he's been his, his bass player the past maybe eight years, uh, who's one of my favorite bass players of his generation. Uh, DJ is he goes by DJ, but his name is David Ginyard. Uh, he 
uh, yeah, I had a wonderful time playing with Terrence. The band is always like killing, like ridiculous. Uh, some of the biggest names in jazz. Um, he was real, like, I think as just a band leader, it felt secure. Like he wasn't micromanaging. He like trusts everybody to just do their thing. And, uh, and his, you know, his writing feels like, like, I I'm kind of like timeless in a way. Like his the writing is so strong. Mm. Um, it could be a sad, like, yeah, it just, it, sometimes you hear jazz writing and it gets real like noty and kind of like show offy and he's mm -hmm. making melodies man he's like just mm -hmm. like this is the th this is the thesis and this you know and i don't know i i, I really love i grew up listening to a lot of uh, terrence blanchard and uh, ah. I, 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 I honored to play with terrence um one of the baddest ever wow yeah. so, I, don't, I don't know how common that is for i mean you play the low end you you use the bass clef and terrence is using he's up in the upper register Sure. So yet and still that the voicing and just because I don't know, man, because because you like singer so much, maybe that's why you appreciate melody makers so much. I mean, I didn't realize that Blanchard was kind of known for that, but I can see uh, melodically because, you know, uh, Verdine White has been famously quoted as saying, or I don't know who's th there's a story out there that he actually mm -hmm. on face could play the, the melody of every single Earth, Wind and Fire song. So if yeah. you, you've heard that before too, right? No, I haven't, but um, but that doesn't surprise me just hearing, just knowing how he, he approaches his instrument, his parts. Cause Ooh. you know, that's still the, like I said, like the melody is the thesis and everything else should kind of serve to support that, um, you know, to serve mm -hmm. that. So, cause that's what people hear. So like, I don't know, it just makes it, makes it more, um, just, uh, makes it clear if you, you know, that if, if you, yeah, and we're still we're still about getting that that thesis, that message, uh, support. You know, instead of like everybody, if there's too many cooks in the kitchen, if everyone's part is is all cool, you know, it's not you're gonna it's gonna get diluted a little bit. So, absolutely, absolutely. Hey, this is DJ Umami from Oakland, California, and you're listening to Psychotic Bump School with your host DJ Rome on KCWGTheTruth.com the best internet radio station on the planet. This is Josh Harry, and you're listening to DJ Rome on Psychotic Bump School, a place where education and entertainment meet at the intersection of funk and soul. Easier said than done Trying to be the one It's so hard to not be hard on yourself And how do they all believe I cannot even see the belief that I had way back when I know that you get so used to it Always living in regret Your dreams never left your head But when you talk to me I can see the light shining So bright that it is blinding Just let it out And oh, I know you feel it that automatic a shiver in your spine and darkness you have seen it heavy on the heart look to the light oh, release the feeling and it'll send you out to space nothing like your happiness 
We've all got that feeling. I can see you hurting. You don't think you deserve it, but baby, you are worth it. Just open up the ceiling and come on, let the love in. 'Cause baby, you are worth it. We've all got that feeling. I can see you hurting. You don't think you deserve it, but baby, you are worth it. Just open up the ceiling. Come on, let the love in. 'Cause baby, you are worth it. Oh, I know you feel it. That automatic shiver in your spine. Uh, the darkness you have seen it. A heavy on the heart. Look to the light, yeah. Shouts out to uh, there. There's some other people here, but I'm gonna ask you about one. <laughs> Have you elaborated? Okay. There's some great ones here, man. Great one. I I feel like I'm disrespecting some of them because uh, David Diggs, Cool Keith, of course, Michael Chuanuka. Uh, but I want to ask you about one more, and then we're, I want to talk to you about Amber and um, sure, uh, Kadia Bone. Did I say it right? Kadia? Yeah. So you pronounce it Kadia, actually. Kadia um, Bone. Even though, you, yeah, Kadia. So actually, Kadia came out of that same program with me, uh, that young musician oh, program at, at Cal Berkeley. So we've been friends. Um, we've been friends since we were kids. Um, and I was, you know, I've been her MD. I mean, I I, I, I hesitate to say MD because Kadia is such, uh, he's so parts, um, like she hears everything in a band. But I've put bands together for her and I've been, she's just like a close friend. Um, and yeah, we, we've we've made a lot of music together. We've toured a bunch together. I love Kadia. I used wow. to, you know, I, I, we, you know, that's that's like I've known her for twenty years now. So I used oh, to wow. date her big sister. When I used to date her big sister when we were kids. Hmm. So, but uh, Kadia is a, a genius. Um, really incredible writer and just a unique, unique voice to the, and yeah, like she she feels like she came from another dimension. Hmm. Um, I don't know if you've checked how much of her music you've, you've checked out, but I haven't. You know, for her vocals, she she plays flute and violin, and and she writes all her music. So if you a lot of the strings, um, and on Anderson Pack's record, she did she like that's there her playing that yes. playing all that stuff, and a lot of the background vocals too. She's featured on some of his records too. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. but, uh, yeah. Incredible. She she just moved to Toronto. I think she's going to grad school, and um mm. and yeah, she has some 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 cool music coming down the pipe too. But but uh, she's so meticulous, and yeah, I love Kadia. She's really 
uh, yeah, I, I have, that's again, that's my that's one of my best friends. So I'm like, I hesitate to get uh, too in the weeds, but she's, no, 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 that that's fine. That, I, I that. Yeah, man. I mean, I'm, I'm. Thank you for helping me learn how to say it properly. Yeah. I've seen that name on liner notes. See, this is why liner notes are so important. That's why I miss that era of CDs and album covers, man. Because I used to read who played on what, who were the background singers, who were the musicians. I like that stuff. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that's. I mean, when I saw her name on your resume, I'm like, I gotta ask them about her because yeah, yeah. I, I've never, you know, I, I just never knew. But the one I was really looking at. This one right here, and then we're going to talk about Amber Mark. Um, okay. This is, I mean, at long last, right? But this one, man, Esperanza Spalding did a making of her video, and she live streamed it on Facebook for about 48 straight hours. Where That's she's, right. You remember that, right? I and do, because she had a couple of close friends of mine on that. One of them was Layla Hathaway. Mm -hmm. Layla Hathaway <laughs> came in. They were in tears. I mean, they, it was a real, like, emotional experience because Layla's voice is the goat. The yeah. things that that woman can do with her voice. Good brother. Her name is on your resume too, man. What, how did you get yeah. to Layla Hathaway? Uh, um, I was actually again through Terry, uh, through Terry Lynn. Um, wow. yeah, just, she, she called me to do some, some work with, with Layla and, uh, like, you know, I, she's royalty. Uh, even, I mean, even if her, her father wasn't Donnie Hathaway, she she just has this regalness about her in a way she mm. she ver very much feels like she is um uh a keeper of the of the you know like of the torch of mm -hmm. of R and B uh, um which is like grown folks like mm -hmm. R and B capital R capital B that's like, right uh and yeah I'm you know again just a privilege to 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 be able to make music with her the the few times that I have um but she can make me cry man and also another one who mm. A, com a comedian she's so funny I like to talk to she's always yeah so I, I think there's a lot of um a lot of musicians who think they're comedians but Layla's actually legitimately hella funny wow man i saw she could do this trick with her voice where she can harmonize with herself yeah wow. she did it in rehearsal one time because she we were everyone was kind of like noodling figuring out their parts or their, their sound she did and she just did it this is 10 years before <laughs> Like it, it became pop, you know, like the the rest of the world became aware that she could make that sound, and she just did it into the mic. That was like the first thing she said into the mic, and everyone just okay, shut so, down. Like, so what was that? What was you that? were there? So you were there. Okay, so for the audience, <laughs> for the audience, I need you to tell people what happened because when I say she could harmonize with, I'm not talking, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not talking about record a part and then go in the studio, <laughs> then go back to the studio and record with yourself. I'm not talking about that. Josh knows what I'm talking about. What 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 did you see happen right in front of your face? Just she, she can sing two notes at the same time and move definitely one of them independently. Like, um, but uh, but yeah, she can essentially sing chords, which is like some mermaid shit, right? <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, she's just you know full full wow. control of her of her instrument. I've heard her. She's talked about it at length because like. She was on that Snucky Puppy record where she did it, and it kind of like you know, there's not really other people who can do that, so it just that's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, if you're if you're interested in it, I would I would look up because she's talked about it at length in interviews at this point, um, and she wow. she describes describes a little bit of what's going on in her in her vocal cords. Wow. Man. But if if any if anyone should be gifted with that with that uh physical 
anomaly to do it. I'm glad it's her because she she makes use of it really musically. Man, does it ever bother you that she's? I mean, she's royalty to us, right? Mainstream, mm -hmm. and I know she's probably won her Grammys and those sort of those lesser known categories, but and maybe that's good enough. I mean, I'm I'm overthinking it here. I go again, but mm -hmm. she, she is who she is. Do you feel like she gets the recognition she deserves? Uh. Complicated question because I'm like I, you know I I want everybody to get their flowers but uh, but it's a it's more of a I think because I assume like we kind of grew up in this culture where R and B is the music you know what I mean that's like the main music and everything else kind of orbits around it and that's you know if you we zoom out a little bit look at who's actually buying records that's a very niche American bit of the market you know in terms of like money's flowing so I understand why it's kind of like like to us it feels like the that's that's music and everything else is but uh you know i'm an economic realist above everything but i hope right i hope uh, i i love that layla can still feel like she you know she's been touring probably 30 years right so like you know you know it's i think the different different definition of success to me being able to tour 30 years and make good music and survive off that and like be so good that you you can reliably sell tickets even mm -hmm. if it's to to a niche audience that's the definition of success so i don't think she cares about about um mm. you know pop pop success she's not making records for everybody and that's okay totally okay you know? you, you meant yeah. you were talking about somebody earlier and their uncle was uh cool of cool in the gang they still tour like before ronald died i don't know if they're touring now but yeah, um I think they still tour, but you know, Ronnie and Cool are gone. Um, Ronnie was her was her dad, um, and just I, I encourage anybody who likes uh, good songwriting to check out uh, Ronnie's daughter, who I was speaking of is my friend Jenna Bell. Um, she's an yeah. incredible sing singer songwriter from Oakland. She actually just wrote a bit on the new, um, uh, this, I think it's Justin Timberlake and Nelly Furtado and and uh, and Timbaland put out a song mm. um and she and she just wrote she she wrote on that song uh but anyway but, but her own music i encourage you to listen to jenna bell yeah Incredible. ronnie bell's daughter uh, man that's good we, no we did a whole tribute to ronald bell on this show because the same week uh we lost um danny daniel webster from the group slave out of dayton ohio mm -hmm. that same week we lost both of them and uh yeah, man. Ronald Bell was, um, he was the glue. I mean, I know it's cool in the gang, not Ronald Bell in the gang, but yeah. Ronald was a beast. Yeah. Know? I mean, he wrote a lot of, he wrote a lot of them. You know, that, that band originally was an instrumental group. Right. Like that, the, the saxophone was the voice there. It was like the Ooh. melody. Um, and, and, and from knowing him personally, he's a beautiful cat. Um, oh, wow. Shout, shout out Ronnie. Oh man. God bless you. God bless you. Welcome, brother. Uh, I've been leading up to this, uh, and I'm not going to keep you too much longer, but uh, you've been on tour with this wonderful artist. So I want you to uh, see if you can wax poetic about a little bit. I first heard about her a few years ago, and when you and I were speaking on the phone just the other day, I was reflecting upon, uh, I know you've been a Bay Area cat, and I know Sly Stone is from there, and mm -hmm. Sly has a baby girl that lives in Southern California. Uh, she goes by the name of Novena Carmel. And before mm -hmm. she got this, she has a morning gig now on NPR, Morning Becomes Eclectic with Anthony Valadez. But before she did that, she had an overnight show. 
And during her own overnight show, I heard her play this tune called What If? Mm. And I had never heard it before and I never heard uh, that voice before. And it, it got my attention because when you're a DJ, I don't know if what it's like a, as a bass player, you don't mm. always listen at length to other people's DJ sets. It's kind of like what Dave Chappelle said. It's kind of like why he doesn't watch other comedians perform. He's like, because it's kind of like watching somebody else screwing your wife. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's good. Um, I, I could see that as a DJ. Right, right. So uh, I don't listen to a lot of DJs, but she got my attention. Novena, I mean, she got my attention with that song because the song What If was such a beautiful song. And the artist who sang What If, uh, ironically, her name was Amber Mark. And come to find out that um, you play with Amber Mark currently. So uh, good yeah. you just got off the stage with her last night at the, what's the name of the festival again in Las Vegas? Uh, Life is Beautiful Fest. And we finally made it to present day. Good brother, how <laughs> in the world did you come across Amber Mark? And what was it like uh, playing an opening for uh, Kendrick Lamar? Kendrick Lamar. I mean, I don't know if yeah. he, he was the headliner. I'm assuming. Uh, Kendrick, Ken, Kendrick was a headliner. Yeah, it was. I mean, we weren't opening for him. We were just playing before him on a stage. Right, 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 um, right. How'd you meet Amber in the first place? Amber, um, you know, I've actually done every show that Amber's ever done under her name um, as her. I've been on stage with her. Uh, I met her through, I think it was very random. She had just put out uh, maybe two songs on SoundCloud and she kind of was getting her business stuff together and thinking about playing out. And uh, I think it was a friend of her lawyers, like was a musician and he called me very random. But we had kind of a similar upbringing um, uh, in a in certain way. So we just clicked really well. This is maybe seven years we've been playing together. Mm -hmm. um, so I've, I've been her, her bass player since the beginning and the musical director maybe the past five years. And that's just my sister, man. She's in a room like next to mine, actually. We're in a hotel here in Vegas. So I just had coffee with her.
Yeah, I, I, she's she's a special special voice, special like writing uh, like writing voice. Like her her pen is very strong too, and mm. um and and she's an excellent producer too. Like there's she's just a natural. Like she didn't grow up playing music like that. She did like a little bit of like school of rock kind of performing in high school, but she didn't grow up like studying music. She still, um, you know, can't read music or. But she's her, like her musicianship is so high. Like she can just, she's just a natural. I, I, I'm, I'm so proud of, of how she's grown and, and the music that's coming out next year is gonna be crazy. And mm. yeah, uh, I'm, I still feel lucky to, to call her a friend and a collaborator. And so much like uh, your other friend Anissa Strings, when I first mm -hmm. saw her perform with Il Camille. I just took a chance and reached out to the, to Anissa about their performance on NPR's Tiny Desk. And Anissa was nice enough to come onto the show and talk about it. And, mm -hmm. you know, a couple of years ago, I watched Amber Mark on Tiny Desk as well. And you're there playing. And I, I was re I was tripping off of some of the comments. I don't know if you see the comments because there's so many of them. But mm -hmm. there was one recently where they said, man, shout out to the bass player because how many cats can play upright and an electrical or synthesizer bass on the same track? <laughs> Actually, I, Amber sent me that comment because he was like, oh, I think okay. it was the most, the most like comment on that video. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah that, so I'll, uh, I'll give a quick background on that tiny desk because that was kind of yes. a specific yes. case. Um, so this is like post COVID or like kind of still during COVID, I think 20, 2020. January 2022 so mm -hmm. they were still doing tiny desk at home mm -hmm. like they didn't they didn't, they didn't have the NPR offices open yet so and I think somebody in their programming someone canceled or something happened where they were like Amber got the, the call to do it and it was like we have to shoot the, like we need the video done in like four days and mm -hmm. like everybody's this is kind of when New York, a lot of cats in New York had like were traveling or had left New York because it wasn't a good place to be during COVID and it was, I was in Mexico, I was on vacation in Mexico and, uh, and I get to call Amber comes like, can we, can we get the band together to rehearse? We'll do, we'll do this and brand new songs. Cause she had just, uh, she's about to put out this record. And I was like, I'm in Mexico. Nobody else can even do the gig like a regular band, but I'm a fly. I'm a jump on a plane right now. And I'm gonna just put a new band together. Hmm. Uh, and we'll learn his, we'll learn his music. So I just called, um, and also because we often play with like, some of with, with like Amber's background vocals are so specific that we'll we'll take we'll like play along to her to recorded background vocals of Amber and Tiny Guess you can't do that like it has to be like live in the room so yeah. I needed I needed cats who could sing um, and yeah so I put this little kind of like super group of of just friends of mine who are great musicians and we had maybe two rehearsals uh, to figure just arrange everything and it was just it was came together last minute and I'm I'm very proud of how that came out actually just because it was a very um it was yeah I, I love that tiny desk just because of the, the the experience of making it felt very organic um mm. it's just all of us singing you know singing and like figuring out what parts and how we're going to arrange these songs um and and we did it at Amber's um like family's restaurant so See? which is somewhere somewhere we hang out all the time so it just felt very very nice to kind of um, yeah, it just felt cohesive with her vibe. It was like on brand. It felt very amber. 
Very average. Yeah, so it looked like her family was in that video, but I was tripping off the keyboard player was down the hallway. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah, like, what? Uh, Look at this setup, man. It's so dope. I know they were trying to get like depth of, uh, you know, because it was seven of us, so they had to like put us all over the place in this tiny wow. restaurant. Wow. I always say, that's a uh, shout out Kale Hawkins, who's on keys. He makes incredible records, multi-instrumentalist, vocalist. He's singing in that too. Um, Kale Hawkins on keys. Oh, he looks like Slenderman in that video. Because he was like, he's all blurry in the background. Oh, tall, okay. tall ass. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to shout everyone in that video real quick. Joy, 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 Joy Morales on keys and vocals, who's an incredible vocalist and songwriter herself. She's on tour with Hosier right now. Um, Corey, Corey Sanchez on, on electric guitar. Who's uh is on is about to go on tour with Doja Cat, um wonderful cat Tim Smith on drums and vocals, uh check out his project Freelance, um he just played with us last night, um that yeah that was his first time playing in this band, uh I think that's oh uh, Matiana Morales on uh, on percussion and vocals she plays in every band she she plays in Duran Jones and Indications I think she plays percussion in that band right now, uh wonderful singer. Um, mm. I just, I just like, like, I just like shouting out my friends because they're all very talented. Hey, man. Uh, beautiful stuff, man. Thank you for sharing that. And uh, before, yeah, of course, so before we let you go, um, do you, anything stand out sonically, you know, because you have to play, I heard from Anissa, you have to play a certain kind of way on Tiny Desk because you, you had some certain restrictions with playing background tracks while mm -hmm. you're dealing with live musicians and singers. So sonically, how much did you have to adjust your playing compared to what you did over the weekend in Las Vegas? Uh, to me, honestly, I feel like like the the tiny desk um, restrictions, which are like you can't, you know, it has to be live. You can't have that much reverb and stuff on your vocals. Like they have very specific guidelines, and um, that to me, that's more where I come from because I'm a jazz musician. Um, kind of at heart like I love playing acoustic music I love playing soft to me it's more an adjustment to play big festivals and stuff and be playing along with the tracks and you know that uh, so to me tiny tiny desk actually feels more natural and organic to me so and mm. uh, yeah shout out shout, shout out NPR for for having that platform um, I think that's what you know there's a there's a authenticity that people can feel to when it's just a person and a guitar just playing like they don't need all the gimmicks and toys and dancers around. If it's a good song, people gonna listen. Absolutely. Did y'all have a chance to meet Kendrick when you guys got off the stage? No, I mean, uh, I know Amber and, and him have talked about collabing a little bit, so they, they know each other. But uh, no, I mean, festivals are so crazy. There's so much security, and everyone's trying to talk to you know. Absolutely. Like we, you know, that's not the time and place to meet somebody. Right. So, right. Yeah. Uh, what can you tell us about upcoming projects with Amber? Are you doing any writing, producing on her current projects that we already are aware of or anything upcoming soon? No, she has a little click in L.A. She She's kind of spending most of her time in L.A. these days. So she has like a, a big uh, group of, of um, like kind of L.A. scene uh, pop writers and producers she works with. And they just crank out like tons of songs and then whittle it down from there. And that, that, I think that approach has worked really well for Amber. Mm -hmm. I think she's going to make another record like this. And, you know, we've talked about doing something more organic where we kind of like make a record in the room, like jam and, you know, write songs. But I think that's for the kind of 
uh, album that 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 the industry expects you to make, that that's like not the most fruitful way of making a pop record. Oh, so okay. Uh, but so yeah, I'll say that. But um, but yeah, she's whatever whatever she's doing, it's working because the, the the music that I've heard is coming out next year is really really hidden. This guy's name is Josh Hari, ladies and gentlemen. He's been extremely generous. He's a bass player. He's a, a multi-instrumentalist, a multi-linguist, a multi-trumpist. <laughs> uh, the good brother does it all. Uh, currently playing with anybody he can because he, he's that. Uh, Amber Mark, uh, he just got off the stage with her at the Life is Everything. I'm going to say it wrong. Life, Life is, is Beautiful. Life is Beautiful Festival. Yes, sir. In Las Vegas. But hey, man, I, this is you just made my weekend, man. I can't thank you enough for doing this. What's the best way for people to reach out to you, keep in touch with you and follow your work, man? Oh, um, I would say Instagram. Uh, I don't I don't use Twitter. Um, it's, mm. So, yeah, jo just Josh Hari, J-O-S-H-H-A-R-I um, at Josh Hari. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm always also I'm, if there's any musicians that are listening to this, like younger cats that need mentorship. Or not, not even mentorship, but just advice. I find there's like limited places where you can do that, and and I've had, I've, I've I was talking about it on this. Like, mentorship is a big part of music to me. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm always, I'm always real open to answer questions and try to put cats on opportunities. And so, so uh, yeah. Anyway, if, if if anybody was moved by this interview or interested in anything I had to say, you can always hit me up. Well, that's our show, y'all. Psychotic Bump School is the place where education and entertainment meet at the intersection of funk and soul. My name is DJ Rome, and you know we're here every Monday evening from 5.30 p.m. to 7 p.m. Pacific time, and it repeats again on Friday evenings from 6.30 p.m. to 8 p.m. Pacific time. Check back with us. We shall return next week. I also want to thank our very, 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 very special guest for the evening, the good brother, Mr. Josh Hari. And catch him on the road, y'all. He's still on tour with Amber Mark coming to a city near you. Also want to send a very, very special shout out to Mr. Frank Starks, who is the Iron Man behind the board. And we're out of here, y'all. Take care.